Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Thank you for joining us on another great episode where we talk about 
how to have more empathy in the relationship or if you are looking to get more empathy from your partner as well. So there's a lot of valuable tips in there. And if you're like Chase and I and you're not quite sure what empathy is in a relationship or what it looks like, then you will find out because Chase and I went into this interview and we're like, we need to learn what it exactly is before we can implement it in our relationship. And so our guest, Anna, does an excellent job talking about that as well as giving us tools to implement it into the relationship. Yeah, important distinction between how empathy is different from sympathy. So check that out and listen for all the great tips. And Anna Osborne is the owner of Life Unscripted Counseling, where she focuses her work on inspiring individuals and couples to be more intentional and connected in their love relationships. So a lot of great stuff for you today. And as always, we would love for you guys to check out our website. We have tons of free resources for you, our free 14-day happy couple challenge. We have a online course called Spark My Relationship, and we have our newly added couples retreat that is in Florida, October 9th through the 13th. So if you want to find out more information, check us out, idopodcast.com. Enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to be here and be able to chat with both of you. Today, we're going to talk about an area that probably gets overlooked and one that I definitely want to continue to try to improve on, and that is empathy and its importance in the relationship. So let's start with talking about how empathy shows itself in the context of a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think really to start off is being able to talk about the difference between sympathy and empathy, because they often get used synonymously, and yet they're really different things. I think it's easy to give sympathy, meaning, gosh, I've got concern that you're going through that situation, where empathy is really moving into the feelings, especially as we're talking about in this context within a partnership of moving to the feeling that partner is experiencing to be able to really understand and have that great point of reference for the feeling versus, you know, kind of our agreement or understanding of how they should be feeling in that moment. Okay, I think this is important because I don't think I'm clear, perfectly clear. (laughs) So, like, empathy would empathy be like trying to put myself in my partner's shoes and really embodying that feeling that they're experiencing? Yeah. And the best way that I work with my clients on it is if we think about, oftentimes we think about because we've had this shared experience, we then must have a shared feeling that we had during that experience. And empathy isn't about us coming together necessarily around a shared experience. It's about us coming together around universal feelings. So I can give an example for, let's say, 
my family, we had a dog in third grade and it was, it was a horrible situation. The dog bit the neighbor, we ended up having to give the dog away. It was, it was a sad situation for our family. Let's say Sarah, that you, your family got a dog in third grade and it was joy of your family's life. It was part of, you know, your guys's family until well into your twenties and you guys loved this family dog. So if you say to me, gosh, you know, we got a family dog in third grade and I say, me too. Wasn't it horrible? It was so upsetting and there was so much grief and it was just, it was horrible. And you're looking at me going, well, no, it was joyful because even though it's a shared experience, meaning we both got dogs in third grade, different emotions, right? Whereas empathy is moving into the universal feelings. So let's say I went away to summer camp. I was alone and and didn't fit in with anybody. And Chase, you moved to a new school in seventh grade and you felt really alone and didn't know anybody. Two different situations, but that universal feeling that we've all experienced of loneliness and not knowing where we fit in, that's a universal feeling. So when our partner calls us to towards them and we need to demonstrate empathy, we're not moving in and saying, oh, hey, we know what that feels like because that's how we think we would feel in that situation. It's about keying into the feeling and saying, oh, you're feeling sadness? Oh, I know what that feels like. I have connection with your sadness because I know what it's like when I feel sadness. That makes sense. And and it's going to seem like it'll allow us to connect with our partner on a, I don't know, like higher level, but like a more truthful, more empathic level rather than, oh, that must feel so bad. Surely that feels good to hear better than nothing or indifference, but to really take it to the next level is to try to embody that feeling. And, And now what are some thought exercises someone could do if they can't really relate to, let's say our partner is really disappointed because they, something at work, they got fired and I've never been fired. Like, how can I try to be more empathic towards them in that situation? Oh, it's such a good question. So there's two things that come to mind. One is when our partner is sharing about an emotional experience, oftentimes we will look at that experience and say, we look for agreement versus understanding. So essentially we look and we say, oh, well, I don't know if I agree with that feeling because I wouldn't have felt disappointment there. It was a dead end job, right? Your boss was a jerk. I would feel relief. So I'm sorry you're feeling disappointment, but I don't really agree with that feeling. So that's one pitfall that we often do. And so about empathy is about a shared understanding of how our partner is describing how they're feeling, not our assessment or our judgment of how we think they should be feeling or how we may think we would feel in a similar situation. So that's, that's the first one. So the second one too, is that being able to cue into, okay, what is the feeling they're having? And so if they're saying, I'm really disappointed, I got fired from this job and it was, I thought it was going to be a great opportunity is we as partner in that moment are recollecting to a time that we also felt disappointment. So we're not moving in and, and making it about us and saying, oh, I know exactly how you feel. I've been disappointed too, but we're moving in, like you said, that deeper level and being present to their disappointment because we can embody a situation where we felt like that. And that creates that deeper emotional connection because they're not sitting there alone in their disappointment. We're present to it and we have a strong 
experience there of going, okay, I know what that feels like. Gosh, yeah, that's a tough one. Here I am listening and, and holding that space for them to expand on it or talk about in the ways that they would need to. Has there ever been a scenario that you've maybe worked with clients where somebody is trying to relate to their feelings and it's almost kind of backfired with the one person in the response of, well, you've never been fired, so you don't know how I feel. So don't even try to uh, relate to me in this moment. Yes. Right. Because that can feel really invalidating. I mean, I would assume you guys have experienced it. I've experienced it where I say, I'm really feeling sad. And somebody goes, Oh, I know exactly how you feel. Right. And then we feel Mm -hmm. really shut down or we say, gosh, I'm feeling so sad. And they go me too. And then they run away with the mic. Then they're telling their story about sadness and what we're needing in that moment of somebody partner being present to our experience just got, you know, we fell off the cliff and nobody caught us. It's almost like we need to, step back and not project our own experience into that of our partners, even if it feels like it's something we've experienced, like a similar thing, because everyone experiences their own reality. So like Sarah, if she got fired, would be much different than if I got fired, because we're different people. So she probably doesn't want to hear me say, yeah, like I've, I know what you, you're feeling right now because it's like, you don't, I'm a different person. So it's kind of tricky because it's like, you want to be empathic and yet you can almost be trying too hard and, and trying to like fill that void and saying the wrong things. Mm -hmm. So what would be like the dialogue if we could use another example maybe that'll help crystallize things for our listeners. Like if I keep, I keep, what's something common uh, in a relationship that we can maybe give a dialogue around? Yes. And one of the things in order to be able to move into that empathetic place and not take over or unintentionally invalidate or project our experience onto that is we've got to come from a place of curiosity is that we know our partners because we have a history together, right? But just like you guys have talked about in other podcasts, we can't read each other's minds. And so what we're experiencing right now in this moment is a new experience. It isn't one that has been shared with partner yet. So if we're telling them how we're feeling and they jump in to you know, help finish our sentences or project how they think that they would feel onto it, History hasn't been written yet. They don't know how we feel because we haven't shared it, right? So that piece is really, really important. The other piece, looking at it from kind of a conversational context of how do you do it, is being able to get away from the thoughts and the situation and move to the feeling. And what I mean by that is that let's, if we're talking about, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of common ones. There's lots like, you know, you didn't call and don't let me know when you were going to be home after work. Right. And that really hurt my feelings. So oftentimes when we say that to partner, we're saying, I'm feeling sad. I feel a little rejected. I, you know, you didn't let me know when you'd be home and that I was disappointed. So we share that with partner and depending on how we share it, partner can get really defensive and say, well, you knew I had that meeting late after work. Like what's the, what's the big deal? You know, I was going to come home eventually. Right. So they've just moved into defending whatever they feel like they've been attacked around and and pushing away partners emotional experience. But if we move out of the thought 
we move out of the situation and we move to the feeling, if partner says, I feel really sad that you didn't call to let me know when you'd be home from work and the other partner goes right to the feeling, they then go, oh, I'm sorry that you're feeling sad. That, that wasn't what I attended. Like, how can I help? How can we talk about this? So it's not about the thoughts and the situation, all that noise that distracts us. We're getting to the heart of it, which is the feelings. And that's where those natural um, or what can feel natural or even unnatural without practice. We move to that place, place of empathy. Speaking from experience, I think even today, Sarah and I had a bit of an argument about scheduling and it wasn't about the situation. And it's, it's very rarely about the situation. It's about the feelings and the, the deeper things. And inevitably, that's what we got to. <laughs> but it didn't start that way. And, and that's what we're always trying to work on. And to consciously say, okay, this is irritating me. But to step outside of the specific situation and for me to understand why Sarah is upset with this scheduling issue and not the scheduling issue and trying to solve that in the moment. Inevitably, we solved it, but we did so by dealing with the feelings. Like that solved the situation. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that solves it so much quicker because we, and I don't mean, I say this to my clients, I don't mean noise in a dismissive way, in terms of, you know, the scheduling of a phone call after work, it's just that that creates a distraction to where we need to go, which is the feelings. And when we get to the feeling, it does resolve usually a lot quicker and much more effectively because we're talking about what we need to talk about. And yet, like you said, typically it's not about, you know, the scheduling or the phone call after work. And when you can get to the place that it's actually triggering from the feeling, that resolution is a lot cleaner and, and a lot more effective in that way. So how do we work towards a place where we're starting with the feelings and not the situation? Yeah, that's a great question. And one thing that I'm noticing more and more in my practice is when we have conversations about feelings or conversations about empathy is that we as a whole, I think, are more cut off from our emotions than we've ever been. We're so much in our heads. We're consuming so much content and information. And we're in that very cognitive problem solving place. A lot of us professionally that we are forced to be in our heads, not in our hearts. And to be able to even demonstrate empathy, we need to know what it feels like to feel feelings, which I know is a really funny sentence, but we have to know what does it feel like when we feel sadness, when I'm feeling sadness, what part of my body do I hold that, that emotion in when I'm feeling, feeling anger, when I'm feeling happiness, like where in my body am I connected to? Because if I don't know what it feels like in my body to feel rejection or overwhelm or anticipation, then how can I connect with partner and, and in any sort of real authentic way, unless I know what it feels like to feel those feelings. So at just a very basic foundational place is being able to know what it feels like to be in our body feeling these feelings. And one of the, the easiest ways to do it is literally sit down in a quiet room with your feet on the floor and your hands on your lap and think of a memory that 
you equate with sadness or that you equate with happiness and start with one feeling and you start literally just scanning kind of from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet to notice any sensations as you recollect that sad memory of where do you have tension, discomfort, any sort of sensation in your body. And the more that you are able to connect with it and go, oh gosh, sadness, I carry that in my chest. It's just this heaviness in my chest and this ache in the pit of my stomach. That's where I carry sadness. And do it for four or five feelings. So it's kind of, you know, our standard mad, sad, glad, and add a few more to it. And that way, next time partner says, I'm feeling sad, we can recollect that heaviness in our chest and that ache in the, you know, the pit of our stomach and move into that space with curiosity of, oh, you're feeling sadness. I'm sorry. That doesn't feel good. How can I help? And we're moving in with curiosity versus a solution. I was going to follow up and ask you, like, what are the best words to say after you relate to that person's feelings? And so I love how you just said, I'm sorry, how can I help? Because it's just, to me, it's, it creates a dialogue and it's open ending and it allows the other person to express their feelings if they choose to do so. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Babbel. We've told you about it in past episodes, and hopefully you're practicing that second language already. But if you're not, download the Babbel app. It's the number one selling language learning app in the world that will help you speak a new language with confidence. Not only can you learn Spanish, but you can also learn French, Italian, German, Russian, Swedish, and more. Babbel's short 10 to 15 minute lessons are available on the app or online and are designed to quickly get you speaking your new language within weeks. And I can definitely vouch for that because as a busy full-time working mom, it allows me to learn a new language within a short period of time. And I don't have to dedicate hours and hours every day to working on my Spanish. So try Babbel for free. You have nothing to lose. Except everything to gain. Everything to gain. <laughs> Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel. B-A-B-B-E-L.com or download the app to try it for free. Babbel, speak a new language with confidence. Today's episode is also brought to you by Native. Chase and I are very particular when it comes to deodorants. We don't want to be all smelly, but we also don't want to use products that contain chemicals and aluminums. Deodorants are a funny thing to be particular about. Yeah, who wants to be all smelly? And and to use chemicals, and that's why we love Native. Native is made with clean ingredients that are safe and effective, even for me here in hot and humid Costa Rica, I managed to not smell myself too much, which is good. <laughs> Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda free formula for those with sensitivities. We have their lavender in rose, and not only does it smell great, but it leaves us dry and smelling nice for 
sometimes up to 16 hours. I don't really last that long because I'm outside. (laughs) Well, I do. (laughs) Although native is priced at a slight premium when compared to conventional deodorants, it's totally worth it. Aluminum is in a lot of brands out there, and it may be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer's. For 20% off your first purchase... Visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code I do during checkout. For 20% off your first order, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code I do during checkout. Yeah, and there, what happens with that? There's two things. One is when somebody, especially when it's unintended hurt, right? Is that why well, didn't mean to not call after work? I got caught up in the moment and then my boss needed to talk to me and it just, you know, the hours tick by, we can struggle when partner says, I feel really, you know, alone or, or, or sad that you did that, is that we, we can go, well, I'm not going to say I'm sorry because I didn't intend to do it. It wasn't my fault. Right. And when we're talking about empathy, it's not saying I'm sorry that I necessarily, that it's not an apology, right? That's, that's a different conversation about saying I'm sorry versus asking for forgiveness, what we're talking about is saying, I have sorrow as your partner that you're in that hard feeling. That's what I'm sorry means. It means I, I'm feeling sorrow. I'm feeling connection to the feeling of disappointment, sadness, rejection, whatever it is, because that doesn't feel good to feel that. And I love you and I don't like seeing you hurting. That's what we're saying when we're saying I'm sorry. And the second piece is usually we're bringing this up to partner because we're seeking connection, right? We're reaching to them of saying, hey, come close. I need some empathy. I need some validation. When we offer the, you know, I'm really sorry, how can I help? We're offering partner an opportunity to feel that connection, to feel that reassurance. And we're not problem solving for them. They may say, you know what? I just need you to let me vent and nod your head and tell me everything I'm saying is correct, right? Or I need a hug. I need to go for a walk. Or I don't know right now, Give me a few minutes. Let me, let me think about it and I'll let you know. And the reason that is so important is if our partner is saying, coming close, we've called them close, they're now coming close, and then we push them away by, well, I don't know, there's nothing you can do to help. It really breaks apart the trust of, well, I'm good, of us willing to reach like that again, right? If we just got smacked away, we're not normally going to come close very much more. We're going to kind of keep pulling away when we hear partner asking for empathy. We're going to go, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Last time I came close and you told me I couldn't help and you pushed me away. So that didn't feel so great. So even if you don't know what's helpful in that moment, you want to thank partner and say, I'll follow up so that you can have that moment of connection once you're more clear of what your need is in the moment. It's such a valuable thing for me to hear. And I know this, but I'm always trying to work on it is I don't need to solve the problem. It's, I just need to be there for Sarah and that she knows like the dialogue we're saying, I'm sorry, how can I help? Not, I'm sorry, why don't you try this, this and that? It's like, that's not what your partner needs to hear in a lot of these situations. Yeah. And I think the thing that I always, you know, want to remind people is this, I mean, like you're saying, Chase, it's coming from a good place, right? You see Sarah hurting, you don't want her to hurt, whatever the feeling is. And you're saying, let me rush in and help. And so it's coming from a good place. It just 
doesn't have that intended effect of creating connection or creating reassurance. And so, you know, I work with lots of great couples and there's typically one partner who is a great helper, right? They're a great fixer. And I, I don't want people beating themselves up for it because that's, that's a great thing. And usually what I will say is use that great strength of wanting to help by asking, how can I help? Just shift the language a little bit and you can still feel like I'm coming in and creating a relief for my partner because I don't want to see them continue to hurt, but I'm doing it in a way that makes it much more productive for both of us versus assuming what you would want in that situation. One of the things that we've ran into is a conflict when it comes to being empathic in a positive situation. So I'm just thinking about a time Sarah told me some good news about her work. And, but within the good news, there was a kind of a statement that she was asked, like sharing the good news, but then it was like, but I have to decide on something. And then I just immediately went to problem solving, like pragmatic, well, mm-hmm. you can't do this because, and, and when really she was just trying to share the good news and wanted to, me to, to show empathy, right? Like, that's great. Not necessarily like, I'm sorry. It's like, that's great. And, and instead, I, I just defaulted to, like, I, I don't think I even said that's great. It was just like, well, you got to do this, this, and this, and trying to problem solve the situation. So I'm really trying to work on getting out of that framework for bad things and, and for good things, like enjoying the, the moment, being present and intentional with her rather than just having the wheels turning all the time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one, what we know from research is that the quality of our relationship is not determined whether or not we disconnect, right? Like that's, that it's going to happen. We're humans. We're, you know, imperfect. It's really the quality of the relationship is based on the, the quality with which we repair. And so when we disconnect, right, when we miss something, it's being able to either as partner who feels like, gosh, you missed that (laughs) is giving partner an opportunity to repair it. Or sometimes it can hit us later of like, oh my goodness, you were telling me this great news and I completely missed the good part, right? I went right right into the pros and cons and, and the checklist. I missed it. Can you tell me again? Right. And when we do that for partner and they do it for us, we become more willing to speak up when we feel like a miss has happened because it's treated with such a, a level of, of intentionality, of presence, and the expectation or the standard isn't whether or not we miss. It's really whether or not we come back and have that repair conversation. And as a, as a wife myself, as a mom, you know, as a, as a therapist, that to me feels very hopeful that that's really actually what determines the quality of our relationships. What could someone do that is looking for empathy from their partner? Because I feel like sometimes we go into a situation, it's like, man, like you're trying to elicit a certain response from your partner. Like, man, I'm really, had a really rough day at work and then a big sigh kind of, and then you don't get the response you want. I feel like that particular instance, that person 
there's a communication that can be more intentional, right? Like, is there a better way to communicate that, hey, like, I have some needs that, that need to be met? Yes, absolutely. And that is from an invitation. And at the beginning, it can feel a little clunky or awkward to start practicing it. But the more that you do so in your relationship, the more fluid it becomes, where you set that dynamic up to succeed. If you are calling to partner and you want them to listen, if you want them to help you problem solve, if you want them to, you know, cheerlead you as you bad mouth your boss, like whatever it is, is going in and inviting your partner into that space. Because our experiences are constantly going on in our own heads. And yet when we bring them up to partner, it might be the first time they're hearing about it. And so they may be, you know, doing the dishes at the end of the day, just trying to wind down and we kind of fall into them with this big old story or this big need. And we haven't given them any sort of heads up that it's coming. Oftentimes people will say, I I felt like I just, you know, fell on my face. You weren't there. And so if we can let partner know, hey, I've got really exciting, something exciting to tell you. I really want your attention. Is now a good time? And partner may say, no, I'm sending this email and I so want to listen. Let me press send because I want you to, I want to give you a hundred percent of my attention. And, And so really invite the other one into the space and set it up to succeed. Let them know what you want. What I find when we tell our partners what we want is, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, you're only doing it because of, because I asked and they'll dismiss the the importance of partner following through on what our ask is. And I, I, I totally have issue with that. I will raise my hand in session and say, whoa, 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 hang on a second. You said partner, this is important to me and you need this. And then they followed through on it. And now you're telling them it's not good enough. No, 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 no. You told them they followed through on it. Let's high five and celebrate that. And what I find over and over is when we're clear with our partners of what we need, especially out the gate, like you're saying, usually we're so relieved to get that clear signal that we're like, yes, I will absolutely do that because you let me know you needed a cheerleader just then, or you let me know that you needed a problem solver. And because I know what you need, I'm going to rush in and do it because I care about you and I want to help. Why do you think it's so hard for people to ask for what they need or want? Gosh, I think the, <laughs> the right. The number one thing is sometimes we don't know, right? We are still processing the emotion of what occurred and we move into conversation around it a little bit too early, right? So that, that piece plays a role in it. And if we don't know what we need, and then we go to partner and we're frustrated by them not meeting that need, it's completely a lose-lose situation. So I think one is we haven't slowed down to process any of it on our own, and we don't know what our need is, so we're unclear. The other is we're giving our partner really inconsistent messages, which is the, you know, kind of motioning them forward with one hand and then have a stiff arm on the other. So they just get close enough and then they get repelled with that stiff arm. And that message is really confusing for partner. And so one thing I think that helps with that is being able to differentiate between I feel and I think. We use this phrase all the time, which is, I feel that. I feel that if you really cared, you would. Or I feel that you should have done this, right? That's, that's a thought. That's not a feeling just because we use the word I feel in it. It's a thought. And that typically leads to more defensive based conflictual communication because I feel that you should have, right? Or something to that effect. 
feels like an attack versus when we slow down and we're vulnerable and say, I feel sad, I feel overwhelmed, I feel alone. And we bring it down to that more vulnerable feeling because we're clear on what the feeling is. Usually we're able to much more clearly articulate that to partner and they're able to hear the feeling versus this thought accusation ish, you know, miss signal that is cloaked in a, I feel, but it's just followed up with a thought. So I always tell my clients, if it's got that in it, it's a thought, right? I feel that. But if it's a feeling statement, it's I feel, insert feeling word, period. Because if you add the rest of it to it, it can then turn into an accusation, which moves partner further away. Meaning I feel sad that you didn't call because you don't really care as much as I thought you do. And all of a sudden we've got defensiveness and, and we're not able to get that need met because we've been very unclear. We've pulled partner close with the feeling and then we stiffed up, stiff armed them with this accusatory thought or this accusatory um, statement. It's such a valuable practice to put into place. And like you said earlier in this conversation, a lot of us are disconnected from our body, from our feelings, and it doesn't just happen on its own. I'm just, as you're saying this, just thinking about continuing to try to put this into practice because Sarah and I know to do this, but it's not the default. The default a lot of times are the things that are going to elicit the negative responses, the conflict, and really being intentional about these things and trying to get in touch with our own feelings. It's like we want more empathy from our partner, but our partner can't read our minds. And if you don't even know what your own feelings are, how can you expect your partner to know? Absolutely. Yes, I completely agree. And I think that that oftentimes is a tough pill for people to swallow because the expectation they have of partner is, you love me, you must know how I feel. And I get it. Like we want to feel safe and secure in our relationships. And yet putting that expectation on a partnership is so overwhelming and unrealistic that they should just know is, is setting ourselves up to, to really fail. It's so funny that you mentioned that because earlier today we were having this discussion where I said, I should have said this kind of predicting that I know that that's what Chase wants after 10 years of a relationship. But in all reality, that's kind of hard for somebody to do to predict the way somebody is going to feel and to know what to say before a situation even happens, that sometimes that's just impossible. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And that's why this idea of a, a quality repair being such a huge determinant of our relationship success feels so hopeful to me because we will miss, right? And gosh, in our partnerships, my, my hope is, you know, that over the course of, I've been, you know, married for 11 years and with my husband for 14, 15, is that we, over the course of time, there's a relative balance around who is able to keep their wits about them more often, right? Is that we kind of share the load. There's times where I'm spinning my emotions and I'm sure I'm not in that calm, you know, vulnerable place. And he's able to kind of go, okay, I'm trying to hear you. Right. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm not really making myself hearable. Right. And there's sometimes where I can feel him kind of 
pulling away and I'm like, okay, I'm losing you. I need, I need some, I need some connection. I need some feelings. And so that balance between helping each other out when one or other, the other one's cooler minds prevail versus, well, it's your feelings. So you need to always know how to say them the right way. Um, and I'll always know how to say mine the right way can feel like a really, really, um, you know, gosh, an overwhelming, um, expectation. I love that point, And it goes with the theme of that you're on the same team. And in the situation Sarah was talking about with us earlier today, we had a, a bit of an argument and we're trying to get to our feelings in which we did. But within that, we were kind of blaming each other for not having communicated it perfectly, you know, and starting out with the situation and not our feelings. And instead, and we did get to a better place. But if we, if you approach that with like, look, I'm going to give Sarah the benefit of the doubt. We're on the same team and she's trying to understand her feeling or understand them or communicate them better. Then we're going to repair and move on and get to a better place a lot faster. Yes, absolutely. And that is where we can signal to partner when we feel like because we know those patterns where we kind of just pick up the script and it doesn't matter what the topic is. We know the moves in that kind of disconnective conversation. And when we can signal to partner and, and say, ha, I think we're doing that thing. Like, hang on, time out. We're doing that thing that, that, that's just not going to end well. Can we take a second? Is that that can move us out of that place where we're kind of either arguing logistics or, or justifying our behaviors. And usually we can take a few moments to go, okay, I'm ready to listen. Okay, I'm ready to hear you and, and really turn it around. So kind of throwing up that white flag and, and knowing that no good's going to come from it because we've been together all these years and we know nothing ever good comes from it. And so the more that we can, you know, stop it and move into that more productive communication, demonstrating empathy, offering, you know, reassurance in the way that partner needs, being curious about, you know, help me understand your feeling, not help me agree with how I think you should feel like <laughs> that helps so much. Absolutely. We love that. And the next time we get into this situation, we're going to be able to use these tools. Hopefully we know we should, but it takes that practice, that intentionality. And Anna, you have reminded us and given us some great tools and I know our listeners as well. So let's wrap up with having you tell us where we can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to be as a listener to be now as an interviewee. So I appreciate that. And yes, you guys can find me at lifeunscriptedcounseling.com. I'm located in Sacramento, California, and I've got some online courses for couples and things like that. So you guys can, all of your audience can definitely check it out. And I know you guys have a retreat coming up, which I'm so excited about in um, September. And I've got one um, in September as well. And so they can check out and go to shineretreatforwomen.com. It is a retreat that is just for women. And it's really, we're talking about this idea of connection and emotion and needing to connect with ourselves and our experience so that we can better connect with partner. That's really what this retreat is focused on is helping women really learn to connect with themselves. It's, it's heavy in restoration, connection, and a lot of fun in beautiful Laguna Beach. So I want to offer all of your listeners, if they're interested, um, a $50 discount to the, um, retreat registration, they can definitely email me or hop on the website and I'll give them the, the link for that. 
Awesome. And our retreat is actually in October. So then oh, therefore right. everybody can go to both of them. They go to yours and yes. then go to ours. So that's perfect. So <laughs> we'll have the links to uh, your retreat and your website on our show notes page at idpodcast.com as well as the podcast description. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm excited to continue listening. Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you were listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.